Soulmates, the conversation is cooking. It sure is. Yeah, we have plenty to talk uh, with you. And it's spicy. Yes, it is. Want to welcome you to Fox Soul's Black Report. We're following uh, the latest on a lawsuit filed by Diddy regarding his liquor brands and raising awareness about allergies and asthma season with Dr. Renee. I'm Courtney Hicks. And I'm the Cordelia Corte. Plus, what Michelle Obama says is messing up the children of today. Hmm. And the famous actress who has her partner sign NDAs are the stories that impact our people. We're going to bring you our news, our views, our voice. That's always the goal every day. So let's get started with our top conversation in a tragic incident. A 14 year old boy named Cyrus Carmack Belton was shot and killed by a South California or excuse me, South Carolina convenience store owner who suspected him of shoplifting. The owner identified as Rick Chow confronted the boy without any evidence of theft. Uh, Richland County Sheriff Leon Lott stated that the shooting was intentional and not accidental. Firearms account for nearly 19% of childhood deaths in the U.S., surpassing car accidents. According to the CDC, the shooting sparked protests for justice, followed by the looting and vandalism of the store. Chow has been arrested and charged with murder, while deputies guard the store to prevent further damage. I just want to remind people what the sheriff said. He said he did not shoplift anything. Mm -hmm. We have no evidence that he stole anything whatsoever. That's not something that you shoot anybody over, much less a 14-year-old. Yeah. I think that sums it up. Yeah. I think that sums up exactly, you know, um, you know how tight this case is, and, and we hope that justice is served. You know, but this was a 58-year-old man who we'd like to thank knew better. Mm. You know, this young boy was running away, and he shot him in the back. And you know, uh, we've we've heard this story again and again and again and so hopefully he is held accountable. Yeah, well it's it's clear based upon the uh, uh, press conference from about a day or so ago that authorities believe that these charges are appropriate and now that these charges have been brought about um, we'll just have to keep our eye on this case and see how it plays out uh, and, and it'll probably you know take a while for it to play out and hopefully uh, get the results that that you know reflects justice for this family. That's right. Well, moving along, a Virginia man, Rashid Ali Bynum, has been arrested in connection with the murder of New Jersey Councilwoman Eunice Dumfor. Police took Bynum into custody on Tuesday, charging him with first-degree murder. Dumfor, who served as Sayreville Borough Councilwoman and church leader, was fatally shot in her SUV outside her townhome. The arrest offers hope for healing and justice, as stated by New Jersey Attorney General Matthew Platkin. Investigators discovered that Bynum had researched Sayreville and the church prior to the incident, and his phone records placed him in New Jersey at the time yeah. of the murder. I remember this, you know, when it hit the headlines, such a, sh a shocking um, um, case here, and it's good to see that authorities have followed through with this investigation and that they it has resulted in an arrest and that this family in this community um, more than likely will receive justice. It was really a shocking case, kind of puzzling in yeah. a sense. You're trying to understand, you know, the motive, and I'm sure uh, a lot of those facts will come about as the case uh, continues uh, through the justice system, but it's good to see that they stayed with it, and now there's uh, someone who's, uh, you know, been arrested. I think you're absolutely right.
All right, Adarian Murray's mother, uh, Nikayla, has filed a $5 million federal lawsuit over the shooting of her 11-year-old son by a police officer. This happened in Mississippi. The lawsuit accuses the city of Indianola, uh, the police chief, multiple officers, including Greg Capers, of excessive force and negligence. Capers allegedly failed to assess the situation before firing his weapon. Mayor Ken Featherstone hopes for justice but wants to review all the facts, including body cam footage. Adarian suffered severe injuries, including a collapsed lung, fractured ribs, and a lacerated liver, but has since been released from the hospital. And we talked a little bit about this yesterday as well and is on the road uh, to recovery. However, the mental and emotional mm -hmm. uh, stress that this has caused this young boy is really heartbreaking. It is heartbreaking, but it's good to know that the Indiola mayor um, is on the family side, at least seemingly, you know, he said that he hasn't reviewed the, the body cam footage, but, mm -hmm. you know, um, he is committed to, quote unquote, making everyone whole. Mm -hmm. And so I don't know if that means the full $5 million. Um, he referenced that uh, he knows that the city has insurance, uh, but uh, he knows that they don't have $5 million just sort of sitting around. And so hopefully there is some valiant attempt to make this family whole. But, you know, I mean, who does that? Oftentimes we talk about police training. We need more training, mm -hmm. right? So help me understand what was it in the training that allowed for this police officer to fail to assess the situation before displaying and or discharging a firearm? Or what was lacking in the training and that's what it sounds like the mayor and, and other folks who are still taking a look at this case you know are looking at you know and i hope they continue to do just that but my concern right now lies with the young man who was just on national tv saying that he still has visions of himself in a casket yeah uh he still has physical pain uh, in his chest area when you you know we just you know named off all of these injuries that mm -hmm. he suffered and even though he kind of looks okay when you kind of take a look at him um um, you know, it's clear he's still suffering. He's still yeah. suffering physically and emotionally. And, um, you know, with this lawsuit, uh, hopefully this will come through for the mom and she'll be able to really take care of him holistically as long as he needs that type of care. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Indeed. All right, activists march in Akron to protest the grand jury's decision not to indict eight officers involved in the fatal shooting of Jalen Walker. Speakers, including Jalen's mother, Pamela, expressed grief and called for accountability. Akron's presumptive next mayor, Shamaz Malik, urged systemic change in the police department. The Walker family's legal team demanded the release of grand jury proceedings and the enactment of Jalen's law to res restrict police pursuits. Activists also pushed for a federal investigation into the practices of the Akron Police Department. Hundreds of protesters, including local and national activists, recently marched in downtown Akron to protest a grand jury's decision last month not to indict eight officers. Eight who fatally shot Jalen Walker, a 25-year-old black man, and might I add, 46 bullets, 94 times. And although no indictments have been made, justice for Walker continues. Joining us now to discuss justice for Jalen Walker is Michael Blake, CEO of Atlas. Welcome back uh, to the uh, Black Report. It's good to see you again. Good, good to see you both again. You know, I came ready with my shirt. We see, <laughs> we see this time. We see this time. <laughs> well, let's get, let's get straight to business, uh, Brother Blake. Uh, no indictments. What's the next step in the pursuit of justice for Jalen Walker? 
Well, let's make sure we set the ground of how ridiculous this is, and, mm. and your and your your data conveyed this. Uh, a a black man was pulled over for a broken tail light and alleged suspicious activity. The officers said they thought they heard and saw a gun uh, shot occur. No one can indicate it actually came from the car that a fire occur. And then you have 94 times they fired at him, 46 times it hits his body, and no support at all given uh, to actually make sure that Jalen could actually survive. And irrationally, uh, Akron Police Department and what we saw from the state uh, and the Attorney General said they believe this was justified. Plain and simple, they believe anytime black folk are outside, killing us is justified. Uh, and so, you know, shout out to the leadership of the DeCello Levitt Law Firm uh, and, and Bobby DeCello and, and Ken and Paige White and, and Joe Fouché and others uh, to Freedom Block with Reverend Ra Raymond Green and others um, until freedom uh, and, and supporting of this family and saying there'll be justice for Jalen. So to your question, uh, letter was presented to Department of Justice saying that enough is enough. Uh, and so the next iteration is on June 27th. Uh, we'll have a national march in DC to say to DOJ, you have to take action, you have to demonstrate how are you giving justice to this family? Because too often, too many times, black folk in particular, dark-skinned black men, we are afraid the second we leave our homes mm -hmm. because injustice continues to occur and cops get away with it. Yeah, absolutely. So it, it, it appears as though, at least with this case, uh, Soulmates Black America, the, the awareness may be a little far and few between. That's why we're having this discussion uh, right now, today. Why should we be paying even more attention to this? I mean, it's, it's quite obviously, but for some of us who may not be aware of this case, just really spell it out for us, Michael. Well, you know, imagine the second you walk outside the house, uh, you're, you're in a car, you're pursued in that car. Uh, someone then says they thought you might have shot at them. I always think that's important to continue to remind people. There has never been any proof by the cops that he actually shot towards them or any instance. And not only did they shoot him, you know, again, you know, you have 94 attempts, 46 times hit in his body, then they didn't even try to help him survive. Yeah. Uh, and so if you think walking outside, you should be able to get back home alive, you should care about Jalen Walker. If you have a son, a, a godson, a nephew, or anyone that you care about in your life, you should care about Jalen Walker. And you should really ask yourself, how on earth can a police department believe that it was justified to do this? And so we wanna give very concrete actions here. There needs to be transparency around grand jury transcripts because we believe what we have heard and been indicated that erroneous and judicial, prejudicial information was given to make it harder for an indictment. Uh, we need to actually ask ourselves, why won't they release the names of the officers? Mm. They have not still actually done that because of they conveyed corn. They said they're afraid of what would happen to the officers. Shouldn't we be more afraid of that you killed this young black man? Uh, and then taking it a step further, how do we actually make sure we address this notion that they continue to say about training? Uh, you have people that believe it was okay to kill this young man. That's not about training, that's about hatred in, in one's heart. And that is the reason why with Color of Change, with Until Freedom, with Freedom Block, with Reverend Mark Thompson, with the Cello Lovett, with, with all these different groups, on June 27th, we're asking everyone to be in Washington, D.C. to demand justice for Jalen Walker. 
So speaking of what's happening on June 27th, where Jalen's family and so many of the folks you just mentioned are headed to D.C. to the Justice Department, um, not only do you think will that help the federal investigation get started, but what are you also doing to engage uh, the black mayors across the country who are facing, you know, similar challenges in their communities, right? And so, so how can what's your message to black mayors across the country where you know what happened to Jalen could very well happen in their community if they don't use their voice, use their platform on June 27th to make their voices heard? We have a responsibility as black folk to speak up. And for those of us that are current and or former elected officials, uh, what's the purpose of having power if you're not going to use your voice? You know, Dr. King always said, in the end, we remember not the words of our enemies, but the silence of our friends. So to our mayors, uh, this upcoming weekend in Columbus, Ohio, the U.S. Conference of Mayors will be convening for the national meeting. Uh, many of us will be there, myself included, to communicate that we have a responsibility to do more, especially when you think about what's happening in our major cities, uh, that in New York and Chicago and L.A. and Houston, our four largest cities in this country, we have black mayors. Uh, and it's what are we doing around social justice? Uh, what are we also doing around health? You were talking earlier about allergies. There's going to be a heavy push around what are we doing to ban flavored menthol cigarettes? Uh, because too often our young kids have been targeted negatively and have unhealthy systems that are happening to them. Uh, it's what are we doing to make sure we create greater awareness in what's going on around these Supreme Court cases, uh, around a form of action and student loans, and bringing it back around to gun violence. You have a responsibility to do more. Absolutely. You have a responsibility to engage and tell your police commissioner that I expect that you will hold everyone accountable. Uh, think about this going back to Akron. Uh, they don't even have a, uh, a civilian patrol board like we do in New York City. So there's not even a strong way to actually go to voice your complaint and feel protected. Uh, and so to this weekend, uh, several of us will be a, a part of this, uh, Vested Strategies in mm -hmm. particular, shout out to Quentin and Stephanie, uh, so that we can say to our black mayors and to our U.S. mayors across the country, we have a responsibility to make it back home alive, and that responsibility falls upon our mayors and elected officials. Let me tell you something, the, the, the scope of your effort to um, protect and guide and direct and bring justice when it comes to the culture is unmatched. That's right. Um, you know, the last time we talked, it was about the uh, Ken Kentucky Derby, which was a much uh, lighter affair right now. This is very heavy and something that we really have to focus in on. We appreciate your time. Uh, we will always have you back because uh, what you're doing is uh, really important when it comes to the culture. And your continued yeah. advocacy inside and outside of elected office. We That's see right. you, Michael Blake. That's we right. appreciate you, Atlas, we appreciate your time today. Blessings. Good to see you. I'll see you very soon. Absolutely. God bless what you do for the culture. Thank you. Absolutely. All right. So let's go to uh, Miami right now as the Miami Heat's surprising journey to the 2023 NBA Finals means that games will be played in a state where the NAACP has advised black people, you know, maybe not to visit. Now, the advisory highlights Florida's anti-black policies and has raised concerns about the championship games being played there. NBA players, many of whom are black, have yet to publicly con condemn Florida's politics, but, you know, competing under conditions deemed hostile by the NAACP prompts questions about their stance. The advisory was issued in response to policies advocated by Governor Ron DeSantis, including restrictions on diversity programs in educational institutions. And, you know, just a reminder, you know, DeSantis signed that bill 
prohibiting colleges and universities in, uh, from spending money on diversity, equity, and inclusion programs and initiatives. And you've got to believe this is on the minds of those NBA players. I mean, the NBA, you know, has a lot of players that are particularly very social justice minded, mm -hmm. right? And so, you know, think about sort of the stress that this puts on them. You know, they're preparing to, to play a game, they're competing you know, to be champions, and they're going into an environment uh, that they know has been hostile to black people. And so, you know, this is an example of what black folks across the country and so many different industries have to contend with all the time. Yeah. We have to go play places where we're not welcome and we're still expected to perform. Well, I, I disagree with you just a little bit. I think winning a championship is what's on their minds. I think, unfortunately, they have to you know, play it in a state that we know has been a little funky when it comes to black folks, but I think they're focused on winning. I think folks who are going to attend this game you know, are, foc are focused on supporting you know, their, their teams uh, respectfully. I just think that we have to find a balance between you know, uh, staying aware of what's happening in Florida and still supporting residents, natives, businesses businesses, organizations who, who, who are not in alignment with uh, DeSantis's uh, politics. And so hopefully we can separate the two and, and enjoy a, an NBA uh, championship and go heat. We shall see. Still ahead, Diddy. Diddy's headed to court over a liquor lawsuit. <laughs> liquor lawsuit? <laughs> Why he's taking uh, the marketing team to court over his brands? That's coming up. You're watching Fox News Black Report. Welcome you back to Fox News Black Report. Former First Lady Michelle Obama discussed the impact of technology on mental health in a recent interview. That's right. She expressed concern about young people's isolation and the negative effects of excessive technology use. Mrs. Obama called for setting healthy boundaries and emphasized the importance of parents modeling responsible behavior. She encouraged finding a balance and using technology to enhance real life connections. Yeah, Mrs. Obama shared her personal experience during the pandemic, highlighting the value of small tasks and the support of close relationships. And hopefully we all learned uh, a helpful lesson uh, during the pandemic. Listen, when it, for me, when it comes to a younger generation who is kind of like born into the age of technology, who don't know anything other than, you know, all that comes with the Internet, I, I've always thought it was like system overload. You're kind of like overstimulated because you have access to so much information and sometimes you don't know how to process it, which leads to sometimes these social media meltdowns across, you know, different platforms. And so it kind of takes, it kind, it's, you kind of have to task yourself with unplugging. I know it's hard to put your phone down, but maybe at 52 for me, I don't have a problem with it. Matter of fact, I just got all the stats that, that your phone will give uh -huh. you and my time was down by, you know, such and such percentage. And I, I that's a that's a thumbs up for me because it tells me I just put that phone down and maybe paid more attention to other aspects of my life. We really have to unplug. And it sounds like Mrs. Obama was making the same uh, point in that April Ryan interview. And shout out to April Ryan for mm -hmm. that really uh, wonderful interview uh, with Michelle Obama. She said, "Quotes: If our kids see us glued to our phones, mm -hmm. responding to texts at the dinner table, or scrolling through our feeds on social media, mm -hmm. whenever we have a down second, there's gonna they're gonna see that kind of behavior." as acceptable and so mm -hmm. I couldn't agree with her more there's nothing more annoying to me than being at dinner with somebody and they are 
constantly On looking the in their phone, right? Mm -hmm. Nothing more annoying. You're not being present. You might as well take your phone to dinner. Or taking selfies. It's like, girl, if you don't put that phone down. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I know Mama Corte doesn't play. No. She, don't, she does not like the cell phone at the table. You know, and so, you know, the time that we have with one another is precious, yeah. right? And so let's honor that, right? And, and more importantly, to uh, our forever first lady's point, let's model that as well. Indeed. Well, PetSmart is facing criticism for its LGBTQ themed products, including clothes, toys, and accessories as a part of its You Are Loved collection. The company has been celebrating Pride since 2019, but recently backlash on social media with calls for a boycott despite some negative reactions. Others defended PetSmart and praised its inclusivity efforts. In a statement, PetSmart's senior vice president emphasized the company's commitment to supporting the LGBTQ community and promoting inclusion and unconditional love. The controversy highlights ongoing debate surrounding LGBTQ representation and corporate support during Pride Month. Yeah, it's 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 kind of been a tricky way to go, uh, if you will. You know, call up Target and, and see how see how things have been uh, affecting them. When I read this, I wanted to ask you: Do, do you? I mean, I, I get the support, but do you think at a pet store it's a little bit of Pride overkill, maybe? Or I, it's I, a pet store. I don't think it's Pride overkill, and I'll tell you tell you why. Okay. Um, you got to consider how this even happened. And according to the senior vice president, the employee resource group at PetSmart, the LGBTQ employees, got together mm -hmm. and helped to come up with this campaign. And mm -hmm. so you got to look at the genesis of how did this start. And this was one way that LGBTQ employees thought that PetSmart could promote products that would be of interest to allies and LGBTQ pet owners. And so, you know, this is just an example of what it might look like for them to be an ally and for PetSmart to do the their thing. part. So do they get their group of black employees together if they have some black, if some soulmates on the roster and get together and have a line for Black History Month for black I pet owners? I, I don't that, know. I mean, that's I, my only, that's I, my I, only, I don't, is, is there balance there? I don't, I don't. For the Jewish holidays, for know. the, I don't know. Whatever. These companies have oftentimes lots of different employee resource groups. I don't know what the black employee resource group is, but let's also not assume that there aren't black people that are part of this LGBTQ employee resource group. But, you know, this is my big point here. Take that same energy for the people that are just all wound up about whether it's PetSmart or Target or Anheuser-Busch. Take that same energy and get leaders to ban assault weapons that are fueling the epidemic of gun violence in this country. Leave the drag queens alone, leave the book bans alone, leave the bans against black history alone, and leave the rainbow chew toys alone. That's all I'm saying. Rainbow Chuto. Leave them alone. <laughs> on that note, we will move on as they are telling us to do. Sean Denny Combs has filed a lawsuit against uh, Diego, accusing the spirits uh, company of failing to invest as promised in his vodka and tequila brands and treating them as, quote, uh, inferior urban products. The lawsuit claims that Diego limited distribution to urban neighborhoods and cited Combs' race and financial success as reasons for uh, resentment. Combs alleges that while Diego portrays itself as diverse and inclusive, it falls short in practice. Diego, however, denies the allegations and characterizes the dispute as a business matter. Combs intends to seek billions of dollars in damages through additional legal proceedings. Go Diddy go. Hmm. Go 
did he go? I mean, look, you know, how often have we re reported on, you know, a lot of hip hop moguls like Jay-Z, like P. Diddy, you know, that have gotten into the wine and spirits industry. This is an industry where we have previously been shut out shut out. And one of the things that, that Diddy said in this lawsuit, he says, quote, while Diego may, may conspicuously include images of black partners in advertising materials and press releases, its words only provide the illusion mm -hmm. of inclusion, right? That's not just specific to this particular company, allegedly, or this industry. We see this all the time, mm -hmm. you know, where just because you put some black people in some ads, it doesn't mean that you're creating opportunity, mm -hmm. you know, for us to be owners, for us to, um, you know, partake in, in the prosperity uh, to be gained uh, as owners and leaders in the industry. Yeah, and, and this suit is kind of reminiscent of uh, Jay-Z's fight with uh, the, the folks who were distributing Doucet. Mm -hmm. Jay-Z wanted to know what was up with the sales and, and certain records that he wanted uh, access to, and they instead of saying, you know, here you go, they were like, okay, 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 we'll pay you, we'll pay you, mm -hmm. we'll pay you. So something fishy's in the air, and and uh, we're looking forward to Diddy uh, following all the way through with this one. That's right. Well, Air New Zealand has announced a new policy of weighing passengers before boarding with the goal of balancing weight on international flights. Now, the Civil Aviation Authority of New Zealand approves of this move, which helps ensure accurate fuel calculations. Passengers' privacy is protected with anonymous data collection and the option to decline being weighed. Now, the program started on Monday and runs until July 2nd. Mm, be very, very, very careful. I think that's why they have the option of, of being, you know, you can decline to be weighed because they know that this could really blow up in their face mm. as far as, you know, legality are concerned and, and PR is concerned. I just remember back in the day, you know, I don't know how they assessed or determined, but usually if a passenger, you know, was healthy, and, and, and I say that with all respect, that you usually, I remember you having to purchase two seats mm -hmm. in order to accommodate, or, and then they had the, uh, the extender uh, for you. So um, be very careful, New Zealand Airlines, because this can really blow up uh, in their face and kind of be a, like a PR nightmare, because it could kind of come off as a it, it could be. I mean, I think the, the, the key is giving people an opportunity to opt in or opt out, mm -hmm. right? And, that's key. And, and this is like, you know, lots of research that's done on a routine basis. You mm -hmm. know, sometimes people call your telephone, hey, will you participate in this survey, right? You can opt in or opt out. And so, you know, this is fundamentally, you know, uh, about keeping air passengers safe. Yeah, but they've been doing that with, I remember being on airplanes and sometimes when the airplane is light, the passengers are light, they have us move around so it balances mm -hmm. out the weight and it doesn't take you getting on no scale. I know how much I weigh and I don't need anybody else <laughs> telling me and or airline showing me. So I just feel that there was other way, there's other ways to go about it because mm -hmm. it's been being done. Anyway, All coming right. up. Okay, Air New Zealand, we see you. <laughs> Happy first of the month, so we know that May has wrapped up. Uh, but uh, allergies and asthma awareness uh, month, the, the effort behind it continues because we're going into summertime and you know how it gets. Mm -hmm. Yeah, man. Yeah, when we return, we'll talk to Dr. Renee Matthews, who has some tips for folks battling allergies and her new book to help teach children all about them. You're watching Fox Soul's Black Report. Come on back.
Welcome back to Fox Souls Black Report. Well, May was Allergy and Asthma Awareness Month, but the impact of these conditions doesn't just stop there. In fact, they remain relevant even in the summer months. Yeah, especially in the summer months. Today, we have a very special guest joining us, Dr. Renee Matthews, an expert in asthma and allergies. Dr. Renee, thank you so much for being with us today. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. And so let's just dive right on in. So first things first, can you explain the difference between allergies and just being sick? Because a lot of us get that confused. <laughs> right. So being sick is usually a very short window, low fever, et cetera, et cetera. You know, yes, you have the sneezing and all that, but it's short window. You know, a couple days and you feel better. Mm -hmm. Allergies, you re realize that you feel like that every year around the same time and it lasts for weeks and weeks and weeks of runny nose, no fever, but runny nose, itchy throat, itchy, you know, just itching, might be your skin itching too, you know, just all of that watery eyes, itchy eyes. Yeah. All those things. So pay attention to duration. Exactly. And pay attention to fever. fever. Mm -hmm. Those are the two distinctions. Yep. Okay. There we go. Okay, so you talked about some of the symptoms, some of the suffering yes. that the soulmates uh, have during uh, this, this season, in particular summer. There's a, today is like a um, low air quality yes. day here it's in Detroit, Michigan. It's bad for asthmatics to be out. Yeah, so talk about some of the relief. I know some yes. of us resort to the over-counter stuff. Some of us have it so bad that we have to actually go see yes. a doctor. Talk a little bit about the relief. So so over-the-counter medic antihistamines are wonderful, but if you don't know what you're allergic to, I'm, I think you're just like throwing a dart into mm -hmm. the air. Mm -hmm. So you want to see an allergist and find out exactly what are you allergic to. Your allergist will probably suggest allergy shots. I highly recommend them. I did them myself when I was a kid, and really? now I ran this morning outside. I saw the flying things, no knees, no sneezing. On the low quality air day Exactly, you and I was wow. fine. And I stay outside actually in yeah. these months. Um, you wanna take a shower or bath as soon as you come in your house because you oh. need to wash all of those allergens off of your body. Take the clothes off, put them in a hamper mm -hmm. because if you bring them in the house, then you still <coughs> all oh, in your house. With it, yeah. Because you've spread it all around. Mm -hmm. Try nasal, saline nasal sprays. Mm -hmm. um, humidifiers, excellent to sleep with. Mm -hmm. And um, like I said, the over-the-counter meds, they are great, yeah. but if you know what you're dealing with, they're even better. And when, it, when we get a little extreme, I know I moved from uh, one state to the next, yes. and I just went ballistic. My body went ballistic, so I actually went and got a test. It was recommended, and they put something on me, and I bumped all yep. up, and so I found out that I had allergies that I never knew, mm -hmm. but when I moved away, they went away. And that happens sometimes. Sometimes it's the other it's way so around. It's so confusing. Yeah, sometimes yeah. it's the other way around. Uh -huh. You go places and you start, all of a sudden, you never were sick and now yeah. you're sick. Yeah. So yeah, you, that can happen too. So a change in atmosphere. A change in atmosphere yeah. can definitely, and you know, even for asthmatics, I know a long time ago they recommended that they lived in Colorado and these, mm -hmm. and even though with the, you know, the um, altitude, I mm -hmm. thought that was a bit odd, but they, <laughs> I mean, I, I have a relative, that's what they did and it was better for his asthma. Yeah, so much information yeah. out here. It's kind yeah. of hard to decipher through it. I mean, we were talking, you know, before the show about the sort of chronic laryngitis mm -hmm. that I've had, right? Mm -hmm. And so I just thought, well, where did this come from? You know, right. before I moved to, to Detroit, I'd never experienced anything like this. Mm -hmm. And you were saying, well, it could be an allergy. And so, yeah. you know, I'll have to look into that. But uh, Dr. Matthews, I got to ask you to share how you became an expert in asthma and allergies of all things. I mean, you know, you're just over here dropping gem <laughs> after gem. You know, where, where did all of this expertise come so, from? What, so what drew I was you to it? 
blessed with asthma, severe asthma and severe allergies. As a matter of fact, I'm wearing teal for food allergy awareness. I have severe food allergies. And um, I was, like I said, allergic to everything outside. Mm. My mom, thank you Jesus, was a res respiratory therapist mm. in the Detroit area. Um, most people do know her actually, Joyce Matthews. And she knew what to do. So mm. she, she got with my allergist and they were like, this is what we're dealing with. And she said, you know what? She needs allergy shots. She said, you can even give them to her. I had allergy shots for like a good three years, and that helped me tremendously. I think since I was five, I wanted to be a doctor, but I knew I never wanted to be an allergist <laughs> because it was boring to me because wow. I had taken every drug known to man. Mm -hmm. You know, I have had every test done, so it was boring to me. But when I became an adult and everyone was like, Renee, you need to write a book, you need to write a book. And so I said, okay, they were like, you know how to do this allergy and asthma thing. Write a book it. about that. Write a, study it and write a book. Yeah, and so. speaking of the books, you yeah. can tell it's it's successful because we have the <laughs> hard cover and the soft cover. You know, you start with the hard, and then when you transition to the soft, that means you you have a successful sale here. Talk a little bit about we you know we yeah. know of course what has inspired you, but talk a little bit why you're focusing in on you know the the yes. younger folks in particular. So unfortunately. Bullying is a huge thing, as we all know, but mm -hmm. did you know that they are actually bullying kids with food allergies and throwing their food allergens at them? That's awful. Which oh, is gosh. deadly. Like, for me, I'm allergic to raw eggs. If you threw an egg at me and I couldn't get to my it's medicine quickly, I could stop breathing. Mm -hmm. wow. So um, that was why I said if we could get the little kids to understand that food allergies is just, that's what Johnny has, just like you might have, a, you know, a stammer or something. Mm -hmm. If we could get them, then maybe we wouldn't have big kids that were bullies. So mm -hmm. that's why I wrote it for the four to eight year old, kind of before you get to kindergarten. The, yeah. the story is about me in kindergarten. So Has yeah. it been hard to sort of kind of get them to understand, you know, asthma and the responsibility that comes with that? I know as a four and a five year old, you're in school, you want to run around yeah. just like your other friends, but you got this thing that you got to, you know, maintain and not lose right. in order to stay healthy. Yeah. So most, most kids, and that was, I recently was advocating about allergies and asthma. We don't have enough nurses in schools, so if your school doesn't have a nurse and your kid has to take meds, they can't go to the school because Oh, wow. Yeah, isn't that awful? Mm -hmm. So they don't usually carry it, but they have to go to the nurse. nurse and um, most kids, like for me, I just understood that I'm going to start wheezing if I run for too much or something. So I think they, most of them pretty much kind of understand. Now it's trying to explain it to other kids. Mm. But if it's you, you usually, you probably understand. So, so before we let you go, we have to ask you, um, why is allergy season particularly miserable this year? And what role does our <laughs> environment play in our healing or our misery? So... Remember that ozone layer thing? <laughs> yeah, that big argument. Okay. Right. Okay. So the, the global warming, unfortunately, is why we are so miserable. The pollen season is longer because the seasons have been longer. Mm. Pollen started earlier because of that as well. Um, there's a really amazing thing on the allergyandasthmanetwork.org website. You can go hit weather index, and you can put in your zip code, and you'll find out all this amazing information about the pollen index and allergy alert and asthma alert in your area because it's important now. But and the that's flu why. index. And, and the flu index, cool, yes. Cool. But it's very, it, that's why. It's because of that global warming. So I guess if we continue to do things the way we're going to do them, we're going to have more and more people with allergies coming forward. But if we 
you know, actually recycle and do the things that we're supposed to do. We'll be in better shape. We'll be in better shape. Real quick, how can we link up with you, follow you across social media? I am Ask Dr. Renee on all social media, A-S-K-D-R-R-E-N-E-E. -E. And my um, website is AskDrRenee.info because I'm a resource for information. Yes, you are. We're going to keep and asking. You, I know. And you are absolutely delightful. <laughs> thank you. Yeah, thank, thank you so you. much. And these thank books you. are beautiful. I have thank my you. copies. They're gorgeous. <laughs> Thanks for joining us thank today. Thank you. Thank you for having Dr. me. Dr. Renee. That's right. Matthews, Ask Dr. Renee. Up next, Raven <laughs> Simone opens up about one of the most awkward parts of sex and fame. Say what? Mm -hmm. Oh, we'll have that story and more when we return. Soulmate, you're watching Fox Soul's Black Report. Welcome back to Fox Soul's Black Report. Well, dating a Hollywood star seems complicated and stressful to say the least. Yeah, and Raven Simone is sharing how she kept her personal life private. The former child actress was recently on the Howie Mandel Does Stuff podcast, and um, she shared um, with everyone how she dated and how you had to sign this non-disclosure agreement to prevent them from sharing uh, about their relationship publicly. That's right, she said even though the process was impersonal, She'd ask her romantic partners to sign the form and shared that she even reluctantly asked her now wife to sign an NDA. Oh, Raven Simone got her big break, of course, as uh, the little girl on The Cosby Show. Uh, she went on to have her own incredibly popular Disney series, That's So Raven, and currently stars in the revival Raven's Home. But there's one, there's one Disney um, or, or guy that she dated, and they were all together in the Disney days. Orlando, maybe I can't think it, it slips in my mind, but he's having some, you know, mental breakdowns and issues across social media, and he's been running his mouth about their relationship. Oh, really? What is his name? Yeah. Oh, mm -hmm. interesting. I mean, look, you know, she's not the first, certainly not the last person, not just in Hollywood, but you know, for folks that you know have more than a few dollars, mm -hmm. you know, for folks that you know are of note, it's not unusual that they have all sorts of folks sign NDAs, and so mm -hmm. whether you're talking about romantic partners or you're talking about, you know, family members, you know, it's it's really about managing risk and But do you they know, really work? And, and, and people forget that, that Raven Simone's got a lot of cheddar. But do they really work? I mean I mean you've got one ex boyfriend um, who's kind of running his mouth and they say he's having, you know, he has some, you know, mental issues and he runs his mouth. You've got people with, with phones and video. You've got friends of friends who maybe have been around couples who still run their mouths. Do they really, really work? Well, it seems like it's been working for her because we haven't heard anything in the news about, you know, any ex-partner. But you, you know, have. Speaking. I'm talking about the one, I can't think of his name right now, but the one guy. So I think it, it thank you. Is it Orlando Bloom? It comes out, I don't think it's Bloom. Yeah. It comes out um, brown. Thank you. It comes out every now and again in some kind of way, uh -huh. whether, you know, the person just says, I don't care what the consequences are, I'm going to have my say or have my peace. Mm -hmm. I mean, some of Tiger's business gets out and got out a little bit. If she, She's choosing to keep her mouth shut, but I mean, I, I, does it really work? Yeah, well, you, you know. know. Orlando Brown, that's it, thank you. People are doing them. People mm -hmm. are doing she's she's obviously doing them for a reason. And like I said, there are a lot of people that do them. And so, you know, whether or not people adhere to them or not, mm -hmm. and whether or not folks actually call them on it. Like when they violate it, mm -hmm. you know, am I actually gonna go forward with, you know, litigation? It's a whole nother thing. Yeah. But uh 
you know, uh, Raven Smalls said what she said. Mm. Moving along, Lizzo is firing back at body shaming trolls. In a series of tweets, the singer spoke out about becoming the target of increased fat phobic and body shaming comments. The Grammy winner said that she felt like she couldn't get on the app without seeing hate, saying, quote, it's really starting to make me hate the world. Mm. And in a subsequent tweet, she added, quote, the love definitely does not outweigh the hate on social media. The singer has been transparent about the amount of body shaming she's received on social media, but she says it has increased in recent months. You know, I, I know how vital nowadays social media has become to, you know, careers and, you know, the whole idea of branding and ambassadors and it's how information, it's how you learn, bloggers, you know, it's really like the new news, it's like the source for, for all things, you know, social, uh, pop culture, but, you know, sometimes you might just have to take a break from it. Sometimes you might just have to pull up from it. You know, I, I think that Lizzo has, has established herself in a, in a way in which if she just pulled up for a little while and just chilled and gave herself that break, mm -hmm. she'd be okay. Yeah. I think, okay. I think you bring up a really good point around being conscious of our media diet and our media consumption. And, you know, like anything, sometimes you can have too much of a good thing, mm -hmm, right? I mean, mm -hmm. we were just reporting earlier on our forever first lady, Michelle Obama, mm -hmm. you know, sort of talking about, you know, the potential harmful effects and some of the harmful habits, you know, that we sometimes model, you know, for the young people in our lives. And so, you know, that may be some sage advice yeah. to just kind of, you know, pull up a little bit, yeah. you know, um, because it's really easy to get caught up in the social media world mm -hmm. and you think that that is the world. Yeah, I was reading, you know, Erica Badu does a silent fast, uh, you know, every now and again. Just to, to that, that's a kind of a fast mm -hmm. too. We often focus in on, on food, but just to be quiet. And when my husband leaves town, that TV, none of that stuff is on. And he thinks I'm crazy, but it's just, I don't want to hear it. Yeah. I don't want to hear it. Yeah. All right, a jury in favor of a toy maker in the copyright infringement lawsuit involving Atlanta rapper T.I. and wife Tiny. Uh, the couple was suing MGA, you might remember this, entertainment, for $100 million. They claimed the maker of the LOL surprise OMG dolls stole the name, likeness, and trade dress of the OMG dolls. Tiny founded the pop group back in 2009, 10 years before the OMG dolls hit the market. Well, it didn't look like it worked out for them, but you know, it's it's a good idea. Good idea. Look, they tried. They tried. They I would have tried it too. And we should have and, and more um, artists mm -hmm. should be, you know, just as vigilant patrolling their intellectual property, mm -hmm. uh, their likeness and their image. And so even though they lost this case, uh, it's important that artists bring these sorts of cases forward because there's a lot of that going on. We've reported on, you know, uh, AI power technology that has, you know, taken the likeness and image of artists like The Weeknd mm -hmm. and Drake, you know, and have created, you know, songs uh, and pushed them out on the internet and have gotten a whole lot of streams and a whole lot of views that didn't translate into a whole lot of dollars for these artists. Yeah. And so I don't blame, you know, T.I. and Tiny for- I don't either. Uh, for, for at least putting this case forward and 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 challenging, right. uh, you know, uh, the uh, folks that uh, they alleged had yeah. taken I their, think, their I think name and likeness. Originality is scarce nowadays. I think we live in a copy and paste kind of society, especially when it comes to arts and entertainment. Everybody looks the same. Everybody's saying the same lyrics. Everybody's dressed 
guessing the same. And so, yeah, I would have I would have pushed the envelope on that too because um, you know OMG dolls and the other dolls, they looked quite similar mm -hmm. in, in, the, in the likeness. Um, I'm wondering what more of the facts were that they lost out on this. Mm -hmm. But um, yeah, definitely uh, go for it. And they probably should file suit again. Why not? <laughs> Why not? Okay, okay, Courtney Hicks, Esquire. <laughs> Why not? Let's do it again. Run it up. Steph Curry's <laughs> wife, Aisha Curry, is blasting Jada Pinkett Smith and her show, The Red Table Talk, for, quote, making her sound crazy. Hmm. The mother of three opened up in a recent interview with Insider Magazine that she was disappointed with the final edit of her appearance on The Red Table Talk. She attended the taping with her family and spoke on issues around mental health, but says she wasn't happy with the product. This comes a month after Meta canceled the web-based show. Yeah, I was going to say that 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 episode ran a while ago. I mean, she didn't have really anything to say then. And I know we're in TV, so you know things get chopped up, edited up, and, and you know, twisted and turned around. And sometimes it, it doesn't come off the way we meant it, or it was, it was edited in a way that kind of flipped the message. Um, but Red Table Talk kind of st started to be messy. And so before she agreed to be on there, so my thought was maybe to, you know, say, hey, I'll, I'll pass on this, on this interview, because I think by the time she was on there, all of that Will Smith, August Alcina, entrap, whatever she was saying, entrapment, entanglement, 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 all that had went down, and the red table had become real bloody, you know. <laughs> so I don't know, maybe maybe she should have just maybe bypassed that particular. And if she's on so many things and so many on magazine covers, all, all being interviewed all the time, maybe the red table. But I don't know. Do you say no to Will and Jada? I don't know. Well, Are there some consequences? When, when, when you, I when, heard they run things Steph, in Hollywood. When you're Steph and Aisha Curry, you can say yes or no um, anytime you like. You know, look, you know, I, I think whenever we're talking about mental health, whenever we're talking about our families, you know, you want to be cautious about where you go to share those stories and who you decide to share those stories with. And so, you know, know, it sounds like the there's some regret mm -hmm. in terms of sharing, you know, some pretty personal stuff on that particular program, you know, but, uh, you know, keep your, your chin up, Aisha and Steph Curry. Uh, you know, we appreciate you, you know, for being just so transparent about, you know, what you all have not just gone through, but what you've overcome. Um, and the inspiration that they serve uh, all of us in terms of making sure we're on top of our health from the neck up and neck down. All right, speaking of uh, Curry, let's go from one basketball player to the other. Aaliyah Boston is the 21-year-old WNBA basketball star who is already breaking records and making history. It's only her rookie season, and she's already causing quite the commotion. She's the first player to start their NBA, WNBA career with three consecutive games out of 10 points or more and 60% or better shooting from the field. Boston was drafted number one overall in the 2023 WNBA draft by the Indiana Fever. Big ups to her. Well, we love to see it. I mean, look, I love the hair and I, I love the heart because, mm -hmm. you know, homegirl plays with a lot of heart. Mm -hmm. And I also love the fact that we're giving the WNBA some shine. She's bringing a lot of shine to the WNBA. And so we'll be watching for Sister Brittany Griner and we'll also be watching for yeah. this sister too. I'm just glad that these talented young ladies now have somewhere to go. We talk about some of the amazing players from my generation. I'm in my early 50s who, if it wasn't overseas, you know, after college, their careers were pretty much over. So I'm just happy to see the WNBA really surviving and not just surviving, but thriving 
and 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 being a a, a, a a nice place to land, you know, after college for some of these some of these uh, some of these uh, athletes. So it's it's good to see. And in order really to, and in order to keep it going, we got to make sure soulmates that we keep our eyeballs on the WNBA. We got to tune we in. Yeah, we support. And support. That's right. Still ahead is our favorite part of the show, black excellence. That is, and we'll mm -hmm. introduce you to one black lawyer who's raising the ball. He sure is. We'll tell you what he has done that has uh, put him in a league of his own. You're watching Fox Soul's Black Report. A mother-daughter duo is making history as they graduated from the U.S. Naval Academy. Yeah, Elise Lindsay followed in the footsteps of her mother, retired Captain Tamika Lindsay, and together they will go down in history as the first African-American duo to graduate from the United States Naval Academy in 177 years. Mom, Captain Tamika Lindsay, uh, who served in the Navy for like 30 years, was one of the highest-ranking African-American female captains before she retired. That was back in 2021. Yeah, and Elise said that seeing life as a midshipman, living on the yard and attending events all influenced her decision to follow in her mother's footsteps. How proud is that family? Probably of one another, you yeah. know, probably daughter proud of the mom. And now, you know, the daughter has flipped and, and made this a, a career as well and graduated from the Naval Academy, which I'm sure is pretty rare as far as, you know, black cadets period but you know in particular for females and this is a great feat and I know at least one black Naval Academy grad that mm -hmm. is super proud of this mm -hmm. my brother oh yeah my brother John Quay okay. uh, uh, graduated from the US Naval Academy and when did he come out 1996 that means he's, Bill Clinton, that means Bill he's in was part of my generation. He is. Love him. Yeah, he's, he's, wow. he's, he's, he's nipping at your heels. And, and how many, did he have any, a lot of black uh, classmates? I don't remember a lot yeah, of black uh, sure classmates in his class. Right. Uh, I'm thinking back to his graduation. Mm -hmm. uh, and, you know, I think this is, this is terrific. We need to it see is. more of this. Mm -hmm. More uh, women following in the steps of their moms at the Naval Academy. Mm -hmm. More women, not just speaking at West Point for their commencement but going to West Graduating. Point, you know, and more belonging in the military for men and women. Mm -hmm. Speaking of more, a young law student from Baltimore shatters the bar exam with a record-breaking score. That's right. Not only did Matthew Graham pass the bar exam on his first attempt, he also scored an impressive 309 out of 400. The video of his heartfelt reaction has gone viral and caught the attention of the national media. Graham faced many challenges during his journey to becoming a lawyer, having to balance a full-time job, being a new husband and father, and his studies, but used it as motivation to yeah. push through. I saw that he jumped and ran all around the house. There's the new baby <laughs> and and, uh, and uh, wife right there. I think that's his dad over there as well. Uh, Graham walked across the stage at the University of Baltimore School of Law, ranked seventh in his class with an outstanding 3.6 GPA, and I call this magna come lately honors. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. Did you just come up with that? No, I always say that because oh, okay. I can never pronounce it correctly. <laughs> So I said, Magna Cum Lately honest. No, Magna Cum Laude. That's right. Is that it? That's yeah, right. that is That's an amazing right. story. That's 309 out of 400. Whoa! He's ready to practice today. I'd call him to represent anything for me today, That's right. That's right, right now. That's right. That's, That's right. Good stuff. That's incredible. That's great. And it's, it's an example of what it looks like when we raise the bar. Mm -hmm. That's right. Literally. Mm -hmm. All right. For the full rundown,
rundown on today's stories and more. You can access Fox Soul's video on demand on any of our partners. You can even access past shows and other Black-centered content. And don't forget to download the Fox Soul app. It is absolutely free. You can catch up on all the past episodes as we enter into a brand new month. Can you believe it, June 1st? That's right. And happy Pride Month to That's everybody right. that is watching mm -hmm. and all of our soulmates that are a part of the community, all the folks that are allies of our community. You know, this is a, this is a, a, a big, month, big month to to, to step it up. Yeah. To step it up. You know, we celebrate Pride year-round, but mm -hmm. you know, we step it up in the month of June. Yeah, but, you know, so you're still dealing with a lot of controversies. Just before we came down, I caught a story about uh, the, the Secretary of the Defense Department um, banning, if you will, or not allowing drag shows on, on certain um, uh, sites, if you will, and, and how much of a controversy is that? And had that been supported by the, by the defense, or was that something that the individual um, uh, sites put on? And so as we enter into this month, you all are dealing with so much. So hopefully you can kind of rise above it and have some days of celebration without all the heavy controversy. Yeah, that's right. Well, we're going to work on that. We're going to work on that. Um, love that Dr. Renee. Yeah. She's she fantastic. fantastic. Yeah, we'll yeah. have to keep in touch with her. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks so much for watching today. I'm Courtney Hicks. And I'm the Cordelide Corte. On behalf of the entire team here at Fox Souls Black Report, stay lifted. Stay safe. We'll see you tomorrow.